You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, and welcome into another edition of the Chief Stock Watch Podcast. Let's ring the bell. Joining me this week on our second episode, technically our third episode, our second episode got lost due to technical issues. So those are kind of the unspoken tapes. But I have our resident film expert here at Arrowhead Pride. I've got Caleb James joining me. The band is back together. Caleb, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on tonight, man. I'm not, you know, I'm not the most well-versed guy in the real world stock market, but I think I can maybe help out on this show a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm kind of the same way, but uh, we've had Matt Stagner on here before, and he actually knows a thing, thing or two about stocks and all that. So we're going to try to get better here at learning those things. But one thing I do know about is bears and bulls. And we're going to be talking about most of the free agency dust has settled. We're kind of in the calm before the storm of the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about the bulls and bears on the Chiefs' current roster relative to free agency. So whose player's stock is up, whose player's stock is down after free agency. So we're going to start with our bull, and my bull is going to be Sky Moore. Um, I've been kind of outspoken and a little bit pessimistic about the Chiefs wide receiver group, but I've decided to maybe try to be a little bit more optimistic. And maybe what the Chiefs are telling us is that they're very confident in Sky Moore's ability. Uh, the Chiefs have made it hard on us as far as what we can get from Sky Moore. They just really didn't tell us that much about him this year because he didn't have a ton of opportunity. Um, but I see him in the next year coming into a very defined role in the offense, similar skill set to Juju Smith-Schuster. And I, I think the patience that they're showing is maybe a compliment to him and what they think he's capable of. So I think it's very possible that we're sitting around here next year saying like, hey, like you've got Sky Moore as a key piece to this offense now. No, and I think that's a, that's a great you know analysis uh, just because when you're looking at Sky – they didn't really, you know, anticipate him, you know, playing a lot of reps this past season, but he did get on the field in some instances and stepped up big, you know, late down the line. And obviously they've got all these needs at wide receiver headed into the draft. They didn't even address it, but, you know, that should probably give them something, you know, some sort of an indication moving forward that they do have some confidence in Sky. Yeah, and I'm also interested, he really got pigeonholed into kind of the jet sweep role throughout the season, which to me, he's not really the best threat there. He does have some good run after the catch ability, but as far as breakaway speed, that's not his strength. But between the injury to Hardman and the constant injuries to Kadarius Tony, I'm not entirely sure what that means. And I still think that that's a guy that they are looking for in this offense, the jet sweep guy, because I think if you're talking about Kadarius Tony as a wide receiver one, you're trying to keep miles off of him as a punt returner and those type of like orbit motions and sweep. So like a, um, a Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, someone that kind of makes some sense there as far as like your sweep guy. Um, I'll be interested to see if they try to add someone like that in the draft. 
Yeah, and maybe even keep an eye if they wanted to try to convert someone like uh, Jalen Hyatt also in that regard, just a guy with a lot of speed who they think could fill a role, even though I think that kind of, you know, having guys without experience returning punts, kind of they might have figured out that's probably not the best course to take. Jaden Reed, there's another name. It's got some punt return experience. Okay, back to the current Chiefs. Caleb, who is your bowl for the 2023 Chiefs? So my bowl is going to be Brian Cook, and the reason I chose him is – Juan Thornhill goes and signs with the Browns. Um, There was really no reported interest between the Chiefs and him having a reunion. The Chiefs make one other acquisition at safety. They go get, you know, a a reserve guy. They get, you know, a a role guy, Mike Edwards. And he's, you know, he was fine in Tampa Bay as a backup. You know, he's fine as like a role guy here and there. But really, Brian Cook has the athletic ability, and he really started to put together – a nice end of the season run for the chiefs as one of their starting safeties alongside of Justin Reed. And even in that AFC championship game, I want you guys to think back, he did get called for a pass interference. That was about one second. You know, if he gets to the ball one second before he's made one crazy tip pass that gets intercepted by Thornhill. And then you think back to late in the game, he ends up tipping the pass up in the air that Josh Williams goes and gets and is a big interception late in the game on Joe Burrow. He is going to be a guy I think they rely on. They took him in the second round along with Sky Moore last year. They were picked with a what five picks apart from one another. I mean, I think when you're taking a safety that high, you're kind of, you know, that's the same, you know, that's kind of the same slot they got Thornhill and you kind of anticipate them on the field sooner or later. This isn't like a great safety class this year, and they really made no effort. And there were like options available at safety and free agency. There were quite a few guys on the block there. So I think they're confident in his skill set. I think he's a guy that you could see him fill in and have a productive sophomore season. The athleticism pops. Um, I remember Nate shared a, a tweet of him in the AFC championship game, and he came from almost the far hash to make a play on the ball that was like a tunnel screen or something like that. So the hustle that he plays with and the athleticism, it really pops. Um, I think sometimes it gets him in a little trouble too, as far as like making reads on plays. Sometimes, you know, if you can run really fast and you're really athletic, that just means you're further away from making the play if you're athletic and you're wrong. Um, But one thing that I think is interesting is like Juan Thornhill is kind of a dying breed in the NFL right now with all the too high that they're playing. Like there's not a lot of just like true, pure free safety center fielders anymore. And that's something that's interesting. I wrote it. I've been kind of covering the safety position from free agency through the draft and looking at where uh, Justin Reed lines up and where Brian Cook lines up. They both can probably play in the box, play deep and even probably, you know, cover tight ends, running backs. And they might even be able to work in the slot a little bit, too. Yeah, I mean, he is a guy. I don't know if he'd really be the slot guy. I think they're still going to enjoy having Sneed there, and I honestly think that may be where Edwards steps in. It could be a little slot action, but you've got three safeties now, again, on the roster like Spags likes, and they can all do similar things. And really, if you're talking about them going to like a center field type free free safety, I think Edwards did do a lot more of that than Cook did. So I think if you're talking about the too high shell, I think that could be what Brian Cook's role all day, especially with that range and athletic ability we mentioned where he can get, you know, from the sideline to the center of the field or to the side or yeah, to the center of the field very quickly. Uh, Yeah. I think the best thing that the chiefs have done in free agency is they've crossed 
three position groups off their draft draft list entirely. If the value is there, they go for it. But safety, interior offensive line, and linebacker, you can play. You can line up and play a full season tomorrow with the players you have. With uh, they brought back Dion Dion Bush as well. Still got Nazi Johnson in there. That feels like special teams predominantly. But you've got enough guys there that you can definitely line up and play. Awesome. Let's move on to our Bears. These are players that we don't think stink. We don't think they suck, but the role is probably a little bit in jeopardy. And maybe the Chiefs have told us a little bit of what they think about these players. Uh, I'm going to take the easy one here, and it's going to be Willie Gay. The signing of Drew Tranquil is one that probably caught us all by surprise. Uh, he makes an instant addition in the pass coverage. And um, honestly, Drew Tranquil does things better than Willie Gay does in coverage. And then Nick Bolton does things better in the run game and um, in the box than Willie Gay does. Um, you know, I'm not sure if he's kind of had some issues staying on the field, both on and off the field, like health-wise and um, character issues. I know we're kind of, the, the whole deal that happened with the vacuum cleaner is a little weird, but I don't know. It just feels like it wouldn't be surprised me if Willie Gay doesn't end up playing this season for the Chiefs. Like maybe he's a training camp trade. Those happen sometimes where it's kind of like, oh, well, he's not going to be on our roster, be on your roster. I'd be really surprised if he's traded during the draft. Um, it just doesn't really feel like something that teams would do trading for a linebacker on kind of the last year of the deal. But yeah, I, I'm very excited about Drew Tranquil, though. I feel like this is probably the best coverage linebacker the Chiefs have had since maybe Derek Johnson. Yeah, and I think the thing with Tranquil is there's not going to be a ton of a learning curve because he is a high football IQ guy. He's done. He played a lot of different roles in the Chargers defense and the Chargers you know, they play kind of like in more, they play like kind of more of, of a defense that looks like it could be an odd front at times of what the Chiefs play. And I think Tranquil would almost be a better fit, but you're talking about Willie Gay in there. What what I think it does by bringing in a guy like Tranquil, though, it's there's not really much margin for air where, you know, like last year, if Willie Gay was playing bad, they didn't really have anyone there to take him, sub him out, except for Darius Harris. And you go, well, did we get that much better or do we get a whole lot worse? There really wasn't anybody. If Nick Bolton was having a bad game in coverage, there wasn't really a sub to go in where you can make that in-game adjustment real quick like that. So I, I think that it's not just Willie Gay. I think it's a lot or Leo Chanel. You know, he struggled early on. There's a lot of question marks about him still. You know, all three of those guys who did play quite a few significant stamps and played in the Super Bowl. I think they're all kind of going to be on notice a little bit because you got a guy that is a really good fit for what the Chiefs do. I think he's a better fit for what the Chiefs do with their linebackers kind of each having that own little individual specific role than he was for the Chargers where, you know, they had him doing just trying to do a little bit too much. And I think he's a guy, if you kind of give him one job a week and we say, well, this is what Tranquil is going to do this week. Um, if, if Nick Bolton's not playing great, we'll put him in for Bolton. If Willie Gay's playing bad, we're going to put him in for Willie and let him go cover tight ends and running backs all day. So I'm not really like down on Willie too much like that, but I do think just having Tranquil around is going to up the competition. Yeah, I think I think he's the tide that rises all boats in this instance. Um, he helps Nick Bolton with some of the things that Nick Bolton struggles with. He helps Willie Gay with some of the things he struggles with. And it, especially if we can get away from the obligatory two series where the Chiefs get scored on when Darius Harris is on the field. Um, that was a Steve Spagnuolo special. Uh, it made me want to pull my hair out every time. So uh, I, I'm really excited about this addition. And again, it, it just feels like the linebacker room is complete and there's not really a need to draft it until the like day three. And we're talking probably special teamers at that point yeah i mean i don't think they're gonna really make too much of an investment at linebacker 
I think that the guys are going to be, you know, maybe they would target her out of that range, but it's just another good job by Brett Veach. You don't have to add anybody. You can keep focusing all those picks on where you need them. Awesome. All right. And who is your bear for the Chiefs right now? All right. So I got my bear down is Derek Naughty. And the reason why I put down Naughty, he's back again on another one year deal. But it just kind of feels like he's played a position where it's, you know, you're playing one of those physical positions in football, and he's kind of getting to that point in his career where a lot of guys' bodies just can't hold up, and you can kind of start to see that decline a little bit. And I think this past season in particular, we really saw kind of just the result of that physical toll. You know, he wasn't really 100%. He struggled at times at things he has typically done well at, like run stuffing. And there were times even this past year when he got sat down for long periods of time where they played Colin Saunders some, you know, and he did, you know, he did come back and end up having a pretty good postseason run again for the Chiefs. But taking a look at this defensive tackle class, it's full of depth and talent across the rounds. It's not just like you got a bunch of guys from pick 30 to pick 40 where it's going to be like a big run. It is loaded. You know, you've got guys that are, are going to come in and play 40% of their, you know, play 40% of their team snaps as rookies, you know, especially at that nose tackle position. Naughty's like a big one tech, you know, he plays that nose. So I'm not as high on him. The Chiefs haven't really added a lot of defensive tackles. I think they're getting ready to go heavy in the draft. And if they get a guy that can outplay Naughty, if they get a guy that's more productive than him in the draft, I don't think they would have any issues, you know putting naughty on the bench and letting the young guy go out and play. Agreed. I, to me, his play has kind of regressed since 2020 gradually. And I feel like when it comes to defensive interior linemen, you have the, the top quartile upper echelon, your Chris Jones, your Fletcher Cox, those type of players that can make an impact in the pass rush and in the run. Then there's a whole lot of players that can plug gaps and be a run savvy guy. And then there's, you know, some of them with pass rush upside right now. Naughty's not particularly feeling any one of those roles, particularly great. Um, I think he gets taken advantage of in the run game at times well too. And yeah, I think, you know, day two is a great place to target some of those players. We know the name, Mazzy Smith, Keanu Benton, um, Siaki, Aika, and even some into like Moro Jomo. I don't, Keandre Col- Colburn, his size is, uh, is length. Um, I was listening to a podcast. I was talking about his, um, on, on mock draftable, he has some of the shortest arms of any defensive tackle that's been drafted um, right up there with um, everyone's favorite. Um, oh, Pitt. What's his name? Pittsburgh defense. Cancy. Yeah, Cancy also has those length issues. So I'm not sure about Keandre Colburn. But yeah, I, I definitely think that Naughty's looking at a part time rotational role, which is fine. That raises the floor of the position. But as a starter, I'm not sure how I feel about him. Yeah, and you mentioned some awesome names in that group of defensive tackles, and there's even more. You know, the Chiefs had a guy from Western Kentucky, Broderick Martin, in on a visit. He's a big boy now. You talk about a guy who, like a Joe Cullen type, who, you know, Joe Cullen has historically coached those guys that are going to be like bigger space eaters that play between like the two and the two eye and the one technique and the nose. So, you know, there's there's plenty of guys to keep an eye on and, you know, who are going to be able to make a make an impact somewhere down the line. All right, let's move on to buy, sell or hold. These are four draft opinions and you're going to tell me if you're buying them, you're selling them or you're holding them. Obviously buying, you agree with them, selling, you you disagree and hold, you need more information. The first one's going to be Jalen Carter has a chance to be reunited with Jordan Davis in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I'd sell that. 
what were the, the Eagles are picking where they're picking like pick they got 10. to pick 10. Yeah. yeah I, I know there's a lot of the off field stuff going on with Carter right now, but that being said, once you get through figuring out your quarterbacks, he's the best player on the board. And if teams are, I know there'll be some concern about all the things that happened this past winter, the distractions from the uh, combine, the distractions from what happened at his pro day, but really, when he's locked in and focused, he is going to be a dominant defensive tackle. I would have a hard, I still have a hard time seeing him fall out of the top five just for how rare of a prospect he could be. Yeah, I'm actually going to buy this. And the reason be, I think that there's a lot of teams in the top 10 who have a lot at stake in this draft. Uh, the Bears kind of make some sense just because, you know, they're kind of doing the trade down thing, looking for as many picks as they can get. But even they can't really afford to have a player like Jalen Carter bust. I think the Eagles are a team that absolutely can. Jordan, or not Jordan Davis. Jalen Carter could do nothing for them as a player, you know, just like tremendously bust and they'd still be okay because they've got another first round pick and that interior and that whole defensive line is stacked. Now I know they lost Javon Hargrave, but I just, I think that that's an ideal landing spot for him. Especially you think about like, you know, you get a year with Fletcher Cox, you get a year with Brandon Graham, some development, you bring him back with Jordan Davis. And, you know, I don't know if they were close on their college team, but having a college teammate might help. Um, It's just going to be, is he going to fall? You know, this is a player that's probably a one or a top one or two player in this draft. But gaining 10 pounds from the combine to his pro day, obviously the off the field issues with the warrant for his arrest, all those things factor into that as well. So it'll be interesting. He's going to be a real wild card. I'd be shocked to see him fall out of the 10, but stranger things have happened. All right. Buy, sell, or hold. Darnell Washington should be tight end one off the board. I think if I remember it, you're a pretty big Darnell Washington guy, Caleb. I like him, but I am going to sell that. I don't think he should be. Well, actually, let's take that back. I'll go ahead and buy it because I could see a team like the Titans who really put an emphasis on having guys that could block. You know, they see him and they think, well, that's a safe pick right there. At the very best, we have a Mercedes Lewis type. He's just going to come out and he's going to, you know, just block defensive ends so that we can run our stretch off of him. And, you know, he's got a lot of upside in the, uh, in the pat, you know, he's got upside with his athleticism. Also, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I could see it though, just because of the NFL, they do put a lot of stock. Never let, you know, whenever people say, well, these guys don't pay attention to like body types or stock or anything like that. They a hundred percent do. That's that'd be such a Titans move to be able to take Darnell Washington in the first though, before all the other tight ends, even when I think like Sam Laporta is still the, is one of the best guys in the class. And even like a Luke Musgrave type guy also. Yeah, the tight end class is interesting. There's some, there's a lot of good players out there, and I think it really is kind of what you're shopping for. Darnell Washington, for me, I, I don't think he should be tight end one because I think what he does is a little less valuable in the NFL. Do I think that there's receiving upside potential with him? Sure. Brock Bowers is probably going to be the top, you know, he might be a top 10 player in, in the next NFL draft. Uh, he's the best tight end in college football right now. So it just happens to be that Darnell Washington also played on that team. So his usage is a little questionable a team like the Bengals who really can use some extra protection, or you mentioned the Titans, a run heavy scheme or something like that. Yes. I could absolutely see them taking him as the first tight end because of his value. 
um, to that particular team. Um, I think for the most complete tight end prospect, I think it's Michael Mayer as far as like he can do some of the blocking. He can do some of the receiving. But he reminds me a little bit of kind of like like I think I heard someone compare Michael Mayer's upside to like Hayden Hurst as far as like NFL comp. And I think that's a great NFL comp. Like Hayden Hurst is a good little player. You're going to be happy with that if you draft that in the first round, quite honestly, at the tight end position. Um, and then like the, you've got Dalton Kincaid, who doesn't really bring a lot to the blocking game, but brings a lot to the receiving element of the game. So it really is kind of what the buyer is looking for in this um, stock market analogy here. But I'm going to sell Darnell Washington as tight end one. I just there hasn't been. I think the upside you're hoping for is like Mercedes Lewis as a as a tight end, as a pass catcher. And I think you want more out of a pass catcher than Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> On to another Darnell. Darnell Wright has the second highest ceiling of any tackle in this class. I'll, I'll buy that. And I honestly, I've been on him from the start from pretty early, just from the first time I was able to take a look at him play. The fact that, you know, people are doing this right tackle doesn't hold as much value as left tackle. It's foolish to me because you've got a guy like him and you say, gosh, there this guy could be a truly special prospect. And if he were playing left tackle, they'd probably be talking about him as a top 10 pick. You know, if he wasn't a little bit of a fat guy, they'd probably be talking about it. They say he has like the jacked frame these other guys have. You know, when I watch him play, the only thing I say is, man, this guy could actually play tackle. He can pass block against anybody. He is quick and athletic for his size. He's got nimble feet. He's got advanced hands, advanced level hands for a college prospect. I think, you know, I would think when you look at the other top three guys, the, the top three they're saying are the top three tackle prospects, I can find holes in Paris Johnson's game, whether it be like taking on power rushers. You can find holes in Broderick Johnson's game, whether it be, you know, just some technique things and, you know, his uh, leverage. You know, you can't really – I don't really think I can find those same things in a Peter Skoronsky's game, but that's why you say he is the second. I think, you know, if I were ranking the tackles – Overall, I think I'd put Darnell Wright ahead of those two guys I just mentioned and have him only behind Peter Skoronsky as the number one tackle in the in the draft class. Yeah, I I, I think for what Skoronsky brings as far as what he, the potential of a tackle, you know, Rashawn Slater's the comp, and then the floor of, well, you know he can be a great guard um, if the arm length does end up being an issue. I think that makes him the top offensive lineman prospect in the draft and, and as an ideal player for it. Uh, just an offensive line needy team titans come to mind the bears come to mind um the jets come to mind like he could probably play several places for you and you'd be okay with that but yeah i think as a pure tackle right i'm buying this as well it's the second best tackle prospect in the draft and i i totally agree with you most of the best often uh pass rushers in the league right now are coming off the right side or they're going to find your weakest offensive lineman and line up against them pretty sure both the bosa brothers rush from the out uh the right side you know, max crosby rushes from the right side tj watt comes from the right side there's a lot of fantastic pass rushers that come from that side and the chiefs kind of did this a little bit back when it was mitch schwartz and eric fisher mitch schwartz was the best tackle on that team and probably one of the best pass blocking tight end or tackles in the NFL during his time there. And that allowed the chiefs to just set it and forget it with him on the right side. And then when you had, um, you know, a great pass rusher on the left side, you could help Eric Fisher where the chiefs kind of got in some hot water occasionally during the season was when they couldn't help both Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown. So Darnell Wright would look great in red and gold. The chiefs have had a top 30 visit with him and they met at the combine. 
I'm not sure that he's going to be sitting there at pick 31. I would expect him to be gone by that point. So if they're really in the Darnell Wright market, they're going to have to trade up probably. Yeah. And I almost be nervous. The Bengals would be in the market to get him at some oh, yeah. point. Yeah. He, he would be fa- fantastic for them because then you've kind of got that same conundrum solved. Like, Hey, if we need to help Orlando Brown, we can now their interior is not as strong as the chiefs is, but it's, it's better. It's just, it's health. Like th- their offensive line at times played well last year. It's just the health was the issue. Um, so, but Orlando Brown's kind of the answer to that question in some ways. Um, last one, Nolan Smith is a project that should not be taken before pick 20. This one's my opinion. I'm going to buy this because I I know that there's a lot of intangibles that people really like about Nolan Smith and Von Miller's the comp. And I, I do think like if he goes to the right situation, he could definitely become an elite pass rusher. And I know like we think good things about him as a run defender, but I'm just I'm just not sure how well that translates at the NFL level. I, I'm always a little weary of I don't want to call them role players, but players that fit a specific role for a kind of like a dream team in college football, whether it be your Alabamas, your Georgias, your Clemsons of a couple of years ago. I'm worried that, you know, he's he's lined up with some great run stuffers and had every opportunity to just get a nice clean lane to the ball carry and run defense. And then You know, he's already fought some injuries. The size, the athleticism is what you get all enticed about. But I'm not sure that he's going to just any NFL team and becoming um, an elite pass rusher. So I I, there are some people that don't think he's making out of the top 10. I'm not sure I would consider it before the top 20. I will. uh, I'll hold just because I, I do think those injury concerns and the size concerns are real about how durable he can be against NFL competition. But when you do put on, you know, when you watch him rush the passer and he does have that natural bend at the hips and he's got the balance to, you know, bend the arc and get around the tackles and he's got the athletic ability to run down all, you know, you got all these athletic quarterbacks, especially in the AFC, they can run and they can extend plays. You got to start getting some guys at the defensive end position who can chase after that. And I think that, you know, maybe a team might be willing to look past that who is in the top 20. They might be willing to look past the injuries, look past the size and say, well, we, you know, we, we got to play these mobile quarterbacks. We got to go get someone who can chase after them, who can run them down. And to be honest, I think his hand, I think his hand fighting is got, got a little bit better over his entire tenure at Georgia. So he's definitely going to be one of the more interesting guys to keep an eye on. I agree. Um, he He's, like I said, he's one of those players that if goes to the right situation, he could be Von Miller 2.0, goes to the wrong situation, he could be washed out pretty quickly and just be kind of jumping from team to team and a pass rush only guy. Um, all right, so we're going to do some draft over unders. It's a little confusing. So we're going to say a player and what school they're from and what position they uh, play for. I need to remember that sometimes I forget to bring uh, mention those things when we talk about players. And then we're going to say the slot of if we think they could go at, and you're going to go under, which means higher or over, which means lower or um, later in the draft. So under means you think they go get drafted earlier over means you think they get drafted later. So the first one's going to be Brian branch and we're going to set the over under at 18 and a half hmm. at 18 and a half. I'm going to go with over. Uh, we, we did our, me and uh, Nate and Ron, we did our safety show just last week for the film room. And I think we all kind of came to the consensus. If you're drafting a safety in the first round this year, you're doing so more out of need than out of, you know, positional value at that current moment in time. I think Brian Branch is going to be a good player in the NFL. 
I just think that's a little too early for him when you take a look at the board and when you take a look at just, I don't think the safety class is that great in general. I completely agree. I'm going over here as well. And I think the teams that need Brian Branch that he could really play well with, uh, the Vikings come to mind, the Jaguars come to mind. They're all kind of in that 18 and a half over side. So you're 19, 20, 21. I think a team is going to be very happy with him. I know they're not the exact same type of players, but this kind of reminds me a little bit of the Kyle Hamilton dialogue from last year, where it's like, hey, we've got a player here that might be a top 10, 15 player of the draft, positional value, and team needs just kind of impact his value. I do think he will still be in the first round, and I think the team that gets him will be really happy. And if he falls to pick 31, you definitely have to think about it. I'd be surprised if the Chiefs pulled the trigger on that just because of what they've done with the safety position right now. But a good player and is going to make a team very happy that they got him. Um, we're moving on to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Pick 23, over or under? I'm going to go with the under. I think there's maybe four. There's four guys I think are first-round receivers in this class, and he is one of them. I've got him. I think he's either the first or second best receiver of this entire class. When you take a look at the amount of guys from Ohio State in the NFL playing receiver and take a look at who all they are, and you take a look at the class that's coming in behind them, it makes it you know hard for you not to pick Smith and Jigba as like a clear cut top fifteen, top ten pick, maybe even for this draft class. I think if he fell to twenty three, the Chiefs should probably think about moving up for him because that'd just be like a complete outlier. That'd be kind of like McDuffie falling to where he did. It'd be one of those situations where you got to kind of just weigh it, and it's like, well, we didn't expect a guy of this caliber to make it back here. Let's make our move. I totally agree. It's been super interesting to see what Njigba's stock has done. You know, we're talking about, you know, tracking a stock. He His stock was way up after the end of last season. And, you know, due to injuries and some of the other things that have happened with some of the other pass catchers on the team, he's fallen quite a bit. And there was some people who were talking about him, you know, being the bottom of the first round, maybe even a second round player because of some of the, there were some questions about his agility and, you know, slot only, but it feels like that's kind of bounced all the way back up. He's definitely a player that has a clear defined role, but I think the floor is so low for him as a player um, that I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team take, you know, take him 11, 12, 13. Um, I think he could go as early as the Titans as far as the player. I'd be, I don't think that they should, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, another player that's really interesting, just kind of on how teams view him, Kalijah Kansi, 31 and a half, defensive tackle out of pit. I'm going to go the under on this one also. I think teams are starting to, you know, catch on to this wave of trying to get the best interior defensive lineman possible. You know, that kind of started with Aaron Donald. Now people saw the kind of year Chris Jones has, the kind of impact a guy like that can make on your interior. It's like the next big thing in the NFL where now everyone's like, well, if we can't win with our, you know, if we can't get the edge rusher we want, we better, you know, they'll probably be a guy that can rush the passer from the interior effectively. I think just given that skill set, you see him go up into the 20s. And I think if he fell to 31 and a half also and you're the Chiefs, you got to have some conversations about maybe we didn't anticipate this, but maybe this big high we we pick up, we know, with our draft pick. Yeah, Canty, I'm going to take the over. I just think that, like we talked about, the, some of the size concerns and the positional value, I think that teams are going to probably overdraft a few positions. I could see like five or six wide receivers coming off in the first round, you know, five or six tackles, 
seven or eight edge players. And then you always get those kind of wild ones like, oh, we didn't see two running backs. We didn't see four quarterbacks or whatever. And I think Canty could be the man, um, odd man sitting out. Now, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I remember this, um, I'm trying the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the first round pick or the sec, the first pick of the second round pick last year. And it was kind of like well-known that they were going defensive tackle there. I could see that for Cancy. I just think some of the size concerns, um, I, I think that they could linger for him. I, I know that we've kind of done the same thing with Aaron Donald, but Cancy and Aaron Donald are built a little bit different. If you've ever seen the picture of Aaron Donald with a shirt off uh, next player, Jalen Hyatt, 38. I'm going to go with under on that just because, his athletic ability, I, I honestly consider him one of the guys who I'd say is a borderline first-round pick when I mentioned that four earlier. I think that he does do one thing that is true. He only runs go routes. He's your deep ball guy 100% of the time. But his ability to track the ball and his ability to find the ball is a lot different than a lot of these other fast guys you've seen come out. His drop rate was incredibly low. He only dropped about 2 or 3% of the passes thrown his way. He put up some monster numbers for Tennessee, and you know the speed is real. And I think when you combine all that, the tracking ability, like I also like I mentioned a second ago, there that kind of stuff. You know, it's what it's what GMs like. It's because those big explosive plays are what kind of can turn the game a lot of the time. Yeah, I I completely agree. Teams just overdraft speed, whether it's right or not. Like Henry Ruggs, I remember just being shocked at how quick and early he went. Speed kills, and um. A team's going to fall in love with that, and it would not surprise me at all to see Jalen Hyatt go way earlier than we expect. Um, he's one of those guys that I think about like could be you know the fifth wide receiver because Zay Flowers and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, and Jordan Addison are kind of generally your consensus four first round picks. Um, but he's one that wouldn't surprise me. Um, we've seen people like I believe Daniel Jeremiah had um, or Lance Zerline had Cedric Tillman to the Chiefs in one of his mocks recently. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, Hyatt's a guy that you see often mocked to the Chiefs. Uh, let's let's do a couple more here. Matthew Bergeron is a guy that interests me. Pick 42. What do you think? Over or under? I'm going to go with under. I think just with his, uh, his skill set, I think he's going to be like a good tackle. He might have to move over to the right. He's definitely going to be a starter at some point in his career. But just the 42 seems a little bit high there for me. I think you're still going to be getting the back end of the first round, kind of the first round kind of talent to tackle. I see him as more of a solid day two guy. I don't think there's really any threat of him going any higher than 42. He's got some issues, I think, handling some power rushes and some balance concerns, at least in my opinion, on that but i think like his range opens up probably like 47 to 55 is where i think you'll see him end up going let me ask you who do you think who would you rather jalen duncan matthew bergeron anton harrison out of those three i'd go with anton harrison i think duncan's kind of weird he struggles against size sometimes he's got some weird cadences with his fundamentals even though he does have like good athletic ability. Uh, Bergeron, like I mentioned, I, he's just got some issues going against power. And he's also got some, you know, just some technique things. He does a good job of mirroring guys, but there's times where he gets stabbed in the chest and he, you know, he doesn't really recover. Anton Harrison, I think he handles power well. I think he does a pretty good job of speed. He did a pretty good job against FAU. He did a pretty good job against Will McDonald. He's done 
you know, he's gone against some other guys. I, I think that you go ahead and bet on him over those guys. At least in my opinion, that's what I would do. I think, and I think Harrison's maybe getting lost in the shuffle a little bit with, you know, Darnell Wright emerging, you know, kind of is some of these late round tackle talks. Yeah, I definitely think Harrison will probably end up in the first round. I think, you know, the bills make some sense there. Uh, there's quite a few teams that could definitely take him. And I think, I think Dewan Jones is a player that probably is on the outside looking into the first round. Personally, I don't want him for the chiefs. That just feels like Orlando Brown 2.0 just on the right side of the line. Um, I think he's got to get his playing weight more ideal. There's some health concerns as well. Um, kind of, kind of eerie, eerie to like the Makai Becton situation right now. Um, and Bertrand's another one. Uh, I'm interested in Tyler Steen as well. He's one of those guys that the evaluation and the tape and the way he played just don't quite line up. I mean, he started for four years at Vanderbilt, transferred to Alabama, and then started there um, and played well in some of his games against, you know, elite pass rushers. So it, it'll be interesting. I, I do think that the Chiefs could wait on tackle and still come out of this with a starter. No, yeah, they could possibly wait down the line. I mean, I, I wouldn't have a problem with them going after Tyler Steen. Um, guy that's kind of really died off, though, Cody Mock. I'd still be interested in him maybe at playing tackle just because I think he he has a really high ceiling for the position. But that I still I think he's fallen. Almost a lot of people are considering him probably a third-round pick at this point. Yeah, uh, Blake Freeland's another name that comes to mind. I know Cody Mock was like, you know, really early in the draft process, like in January, you could have mocked him in the first and people might not have, you know, batted an eye. I, I think, you know, with him, there's kind of the floor of like, well, you could play guard as well. Um, he's interesting. Blake Freeland, the the athletic profile and the composition of the body are great, but like, what the offense that he plays in the RPO heavy system and everything that they do at BYU, it's really hard to tell what you're going to have as far as offensive line play. Um, all right. Well, it is time for the final bell and this is the closing of our chief stock market. And that means we get our chance to do one undisputed opinion. It might not be popular, but it's our opinion and my undisputed opinion. This one's going to cut you a little bit, Caleb, as our resident <laughs> offensive line expert. I mean, 2020 was your year, man. Like we talked about the <laughs> offensive line so much. Aaron was talking about how important it was to have big guys and the chiefs are victims of their own success in their in, in this instance. They've built up an incredible offensive line. No matter what happens next year, the Chiefs are going to have a good offensive line. They have Creed Humphrey. They have Trey Smith. They have Joe Tooney. They have Jawan Taylor. And one thing that I will die on the hill is that the Chiefs bought flexibility when they bought Jawan Taylor instead of Orlando Brown. And they have their chance to get their best five out next year. You'd go and draft Anton Harrison. Okay, he's only ever played left tackle. He's your left tackle. Jawan Taylor will gladly go over and play right tackle. You go and get Darnell Wright. You can put Juwan Taylor on the left side and Darnell Wright's playing in his best position. It gives you the flexibility. So my hot take is that the Chiefs need to be comfortable with waiting off on that last tackle spot. I know that they want to solve that issue long-term, and I get that. It is exhausting looking for a player every year. But the Chiefs have already put lots of resources into the offensive line. It's going to be good no matter what. Patrick Mahomes is great at mitigating sacks, and I do believe like right now, Whatever they put out there at right tackle, the Chiefs is at least offensive line is at least equivalent to what they had last year. Um, I know that we think really good things of Andrew Wiley as the season ended, but there was plenty of people all throughout the season that were really, really critical of both Andrew Wiley's play and Orlando Brown's play. I think edge rusher makes so much more sense for them in the first round. I think wide receiver makes so much sense for them in the first round. 
Um, now, I'm not going to be furious if they draft an offensive lineman or an offensive tackle, but I definitely think that it's a position that they can wait on. All right. And I, for uh, for my uh, closing bell, I'm going to go ahead and go with this. I uh, I think the Chiefs should take the best player available. That's my stance on a lot of the drafting, unless it's a quarterback, of course, but you don't want to pigeonhole yourself based on need. And what I mean by that is we go through and say, well, this team needs this, this team needs that. I will shout out John Dorsey in this instance as you think back to the 2016 draft or when they got Chris Jones, they didn't really need him because they had, you know, they had Justin Houston and D Ford. They had Don Tari Poe, but they went ahead and take this guy who didn't play a ton at Mississippi state. And they turn him into a, you know, they say, well, he's a couple of years away from being a really great defensive tackle. Fast forward, you know, to 2023, and Chris Jones is the best defensive player in the league this season. He sends the Chiefs to the Super Bowl with his performance in the AFC Championship game. What I'm getting at here is you win in the NFL by continuing to develop depth, and it's really important that you're strong at all positions. The Chiefs had other needs last year, and they just went ahead and kept loading up with the best defensive backs they thought were possible to add to their roster. So, I mean, I'm never one that you just because then if you I mean, if you start pigeonholing yourself with certain guys, then you kind of get to the point where you're really wondering if, you know, you're going to end up, you know, regretting it. Because maybe if you just say, well, we need a tackle and you get to like pick 60 and Dewan Jones is there and you take him and just say, well, that's our need then he has the, you know what, say he has health concerns or he's no good, then you're in a predicament because that's a wasted pick. Whereas you say, you know, hey, we're we're pretty strong at safety, but we've got these guys starting to slip down, you know, maybe in the first round, like you mentioned earlier, Brian Branch starting to fall. It's just kind of about figuring out where you can put the best players available. And then if you find a guy that's really good, you can trade another guy and you can kind of work it off like that and get your picks back and keep playing that game. So it's all about roster construction. It's not about filling needs, but I've never really been a big pick for the needs guy. I think unless you're, unless you know you're taking a quarterback, you just got to take the best player on your board. He is Caleb James and he is a film expert for Arrowhead Pride. <laughs> you can find him and Ron Kopp and Nick Christensen breaking down the Kansas City Chiefs film and our draft prospects here every Thursday night. Uh, I believe you guys go live, correct? Whenever you do the film room, we have yet to go live. We've, we're thinking about going soon though, because we got the defensive tackles and eventually the edge rushers coming up. And that's kind of what I think everyone's been waiting to see this offseason. Awesome. Well, Caleb, you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the trenches. We are so happy you join us on the Chief Stock Watch podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to buy the dip and have a great day.